Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 16 of the Success Series. I'm your host, David Berg. I'm here with our co-host, Michael Kanowski. Our guest of today is Moshe Santos. Moshe, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Moshe is the founder of Emuna Insurance. Emuna is the leading Latino firm for any financial needs. He has a great story, initially from Mexico, now lives here in Miami, Florida with his wife and three children. Moshe, the stage is yours. If you could just give us a little background on your journey and how you got to where you are today and, and built. Thank you. Uh, pleasure to, to be with you and appreciate the opportunity. So yes, uh, we, uh, I would say every, every um, crisis brings us blessings, right? So back, I would say in 2006, when the real estate crisis happened in America, I was uh, doing very well as a realtor in Chicago. And when that, when that happened, then I needed to find something else, something else to do. And the opportunity came to be part of, a, of an insurance company. I had no idea that people could have a, a career on it that could be so lucrative. I looked more into it. I've always been passionate about sales. I love people. I love to know that I can improve someone's life by my interaction with them. And this gave me like the right platform for it. Had had some tr initial training as everyone else, right. met with the right people, later on connected with even better people. And then uh, my goal was to ultimately be able to have all the tools that I wish I would have had as a Hispanic agent um, that I didn't have at the time, or for my clients to be able to read documents or review documents or be treated in a more customary way to what they're accustomed to. And that's when I decided maybe one day I will have a company that will address those needs. Absolutely. And so where did you, was your initial career in insurance or were you doing something prior to that? <laughs> so um, I've always been in sales. Before selling insurance, I was part of a public relationships team within an insurance company based out of Texas. Uh, during the time, in even younger years, even before I became part of the public relationships company, I've always been involved in selling something. I, when I was 14 years old, I remember there was a, a great uh, tree leaf that would help teenagers get rid of their dimples and all that. Really? So my uncle sent it to me. I then uh, realized it worked great, and I started selling them at 14 years old door-to-door -door in Mexico. And I realized soon we're going to need more boxes. So I ordered more boxes and more boxes, and I had other people sell and then realize I don't want to go to school. I just want to do business and it's such fun. But I've always realized that having the right product and helping genuinely people, then everything else is just a matter of getting someone to distribute it and enjoying the process. Totally. So this leaf, it's interesting. I haven't, is this, was this made in Mexico? Or where, did, where does it come from? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's part of a tree. Uh, like the tree has uh, a covering. When this covering falls off, it becomes powderized. And that is the key ingredient to really treat any types of burns, scars, uh, acne. It just gets rid of it completely, and literally overnight. Like if you put it on tonight, by tomorrow everything is, is dead. And then a few days later, your skin becomes rejuvenated. It's just truly amazing. Sounds like a business in and of itself. <laughs> exactly. Both insurance, so is, there not a, is, it, is it very common in today's day and age? Is there a company that's, that's selling that or using that product on a, on a, in a vast market? Now, nowadays, yeah, it, becomes, it became like Moringa. Once, once it was realized that it could cure cancer or help cancer patients, it became uh, industrialized. It's called the Pescovite. Okay. That's the name of the, of the tree. 
And then, yeah, it, it's now available if somebody wants to have it. You know, they have shampoos and chewing gum that gets rid of headaches. And it's, it's really a very powerful, powerful trait. Very cool. And so you were born in Mexico. What was your childhood like growing up? How, what was your family dynamic like? And what type of household did you, did you grow up in? Sure. So my dad um, support, would support my family through sales. My dad was, uh, was always trying to provide us with the best. So during summertime or vacation time, I would join him. I would just like go with him wherever he would go. He would sell vacuum cleaners, uh, doorbells, carpet. Wow. Uh, you know, they were back in the day telephones that you could unscrew the bottom and see the speaker. So he would sell deodorants to put them in there. And so people would have, uh, you know, anything that could be for the house. He would sell. My dad would be involved. And I would remember that we would leave. I would help him, you know, pull whatever uh, we had to, to like a dolly with all the uh, merchandise. By the end of the day, all that merchandise was gone. So we were happy that we had our cash. Uh, he would go into a house and I would knew it was just a matter of time before he was starting stalling stuff. So I always saw my dad involved in caring for us. He paid that way for me through college and private schooling. My English education was because he was always making extra money in door-to-door in -door sales. That was his life. And uh, I understood the importance of being charismatic, uh, treating people right. And my mom would stay home. She would just stay home. She would raise us. She would take care of my sister and myself. I would say uh, part of my... my um, uh, love for spirituality came from my mom. She would really dedicate a lot of time for me to have that special bond and to see beyond just the physical and to see the miracles that would be in our house every day. Right. A lot of the people that listen to this podcast are younger and they do want to get into sales. Door-to-door -door sales, they'd be terrified of. They're scared of picking up the phone and cold calling. And seeing your father do it at a young age, what was it about him? Was he fearless? Did he have fear and did it anyways? Like kind of walk us through what his mindset was like from your perspective. Sure. So I, I think that, um, first of all, anyone who's into uh, or desires to do sales wants to move on, moves to move forward. I would say becoming a salesperson is someone who is very, very secure that whatever they're offering will perform for that individual. So rejection, the fear of rejection is what draws people away from this profession. The reason why this profession is so well compensated is because people haven't mastered the capacity to understand how to avoid that rejection by understanding how the mechanics of emotions, of brain thought, how our brain actually works towards new information. Uh, once someone has that knowledge and they're able to maneuver through the emotions of people, the way they're perceived, and to become just happy with, with the results, like whatever, whatever the end result is for a salesperson should always be to learn something from the process and to leave the individual better off than the way we found them before our presentation or interaction. So my dad was, is a very charismatic individual. He can make anyone laugh. He, you know, is, is the life of the party. He knows tons of jokes. So whatever he would go, he would be always smiling. He would be always laughing. He would make people feel comfortable. Uh, people would trust them, you know, naturally. And that's what helped them to become so acceptable. What I learned from that was to, not that he was not afraid, because we, we had financial moments where I knew things were tight financially. Sure. Things were not as, as good as sometimes, you know, I, I, I would see it. 
but he was relentless. He would just go out there and do it every day. No matter what. No matter what. He just knew if it was time to move to a new town, then he would travel to another town. If it was time to move a different product, he would find the product. But my, my dad never, never saw a, um, a negative uh, outcome. He would always knew he was either changing the town, the product, or your attitude. And he said, the only thing I can change all the time is my attitude. My attitude is the only thing that can keep me from uh, getting my products to the people. Beautiful. And seeing the times that your father was struggling growing up, were you not afraid of becoming an entrepreneur yourself, given the challenges you saw? So I think that what drove me to become an entrepreneur and never accept to be an employee, it was already a natural thing for me. I knew that I could make more money by trying to do the same thing that someone was trying to pay me to do if I was just on my own. The problem was that the bills couldn't get paid by me just wanting to do it. <laughs> it wasn't enough by itself. Exactly. Um, and However, I always knew. I always knew that if I try something on my own, I could make more money and business could come. I saw that even in my earlier stages in my career, I was just sharing this today with my team. When I went to Puerto Rico, for instance, um, I would say seven or eight years ago, I tried to open that island. I tried to start something there, but the companies would not pay commissions as fast as they do today. Uh, folks would have to see you in person. So distance, timing, it was, it was another decade. It was more paperwork involved. There were more you know, tests that had to be done for someone to get their insurance coverage. Now it's so much different. It's so, so fast. It's so accepted now that it just makes it even better for the younger generations that want to jump into this industry. It, things are so fast, they can be easily verified. Uh, is that as it, as it was in the past? Have I ever considered uh, going and getting a job? Yeah, I've done it. I've always believed that if uh, you try your entrepreneurial adventure and it fails, there's always going to be an eight to five job waiting for you. That's not going anywhere. And there's nothing wrong with going back to it. You know, I did it many times in my lifetime where I had to go back. Well, you've gone back and forth. Yeah, exactly. I would have to go back uh, and try it again. <clears throat> when we moved to Chicago, right after I got married, I had to do the same thing. I had to go and do something at night. And then my wife would go with me during the day to do my sales presentations. Sure. And then um, I would have to maybe sleep less than I wanted. it. But it was just, I, I always knew it was just temporary. Until my commission started coming in, until my business started flowing in. Could jump back to then it could go back. So you were still doing both. You were running your business, building it, and working for somebody else just to get by at the time. Was... Exactly. I, I think that it's lack of discipline, honestly, what what makes these people fail is complacency. Uh, we understand that the more desire you have, the more things will come into your life. So when someone's desire is just to meet their basic expenses and those basic expenses have been fulfilled, there is no need to go beyond. However, when someone has a vision and the vision is big, then paying your bills is just- Very unsatisfying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, when, and that comes fast. Right. I remember I was surprised when I was first working on just paying my bills. It was the end of the month that was struggling just to meet the ends. However, when my vision became bigger, on the first week, all my month expenses were already covered. So Cause that was the bare minimum, right? That wasn't even exactly. I was just like, wow, I can't believe that now I'm making four times right. when I'm not worried about just paying the bill. So expansion happens when someone really starts to view themselves 
in a different place. They want better, bigger things for themselves, for their team. And when you really take on the, the decision that this is what you're going to make for yourself for the rest of your life, when you make those goals and you really ask for the help of the creator to really come and, and assist you and help you and show you and teach you, then be ready because challenging times will come next. Um, you will have to develop the mental strength and a mental strength is, is developed through challenges. You can't say, I can, I can deal with these problems until you have overcome problems. So problems will come, but they're not there to make you suffer. They're there to teach you how to prevent them or how to solve them faster. I've always believed that someone successful is a person that has the capacity to solve problems faster than the average individual. Because when you put yourself in a position to accomplish things, challenges will be at your door on an everyday basis. But your capacity to figure it out who can fix those problems, uh, give the baton to someone else who knows how to do it while you move into what you do best, and then being able to figure things out along the way with confidence is what, when another similar problem comes along the way, you'll know exactly how to figure it out. And you've done that. I've seen that already. That's nothing. That's a great point. You're, what you're saying is that as soon as you ask for more or desire something greater, not blessings come, but challenges come right away. That's the first thing you see. Most people will be like, okay, this probably is the wrong thing for me to do because look, challenges came as soon as I asked for it. But you're saying it's the opposite. You're saying when the challenges come, you know that that's the next level. You know, that's how, is that certainty? Where, where does that ability to look beyond the challenge come from for you and your experience? Absolutely. I, I would say that challenges are not going to be just, uh, they're going to be legal challenges. They're going to be people challenges. They're going to be uh, things that you, most people call, uh, I've been betrayed. I've been, you know, people that I give an opportunity to turn their back on me. Uh, and, and all these silly things, because they're really silly, are just distractions from your main goal, if you allow it, or they can be the reasons to get a resolve and move forward and then maybe pick better members for your team next time or maybe not give them so easy the things that you had to suffer to get them and made you successful. So for instance, a quick example. As you can see, I don't have wedding bands. Right. Okay, my, bedding, my wedding bands were beautiful. They were made out of white gold, uh, square on the outside, round on the inside. I treasure them. I've always loved them. However, it came to a challenge time where I had to either pound my rings so that I could have the capital to reinvest back into my business or go back to an eight to five. I had already a baby. He needed basic needs, my wife. So this was no longer a time to be uh, egotistical about your jewelry. It was time to really create the bridge. Now, how did I get myself into that place in the first time? Overconfidence, not sticking to the plan. If I would have continued to go out there and sell every day like my father did, if I would have been not complacent with having the first 20, 30, or 40,000 a month, but go after the 80, after the 120, after the quarter, then money would have never been an issue. And that's what I learned to expand. I said, okay, I can no longer just be happy with making the minimum. I have to create a safety fund and I have to create a backup safety fund so that this situation never happens again. So what I remember from my wedding band that I lost, I wasn't- Did you ever go and buy them back? I went back to buy them, it was too late. Too late. Somebody else picked them. Took them. 
And what I learned from that lesson was never to be complacent, never to be undisciplined, to always go out there, find new business, and, and not to realize that you're successful too soon. I don't think that uh, can be anything worse than someone to be overconfident. And I see this with a lot of young people. Yeah. They, they become very quickly successful. They think that that's, that's success. And, and it's maybe a beginning reward. Very small. Your effort, but it's very small compared to what's coming ahead. So yeah, I always would say, be disciplined. Don't be afraid of challenges. People will come. They will steal from you. They will lie to you. They will go because that's the nature of the individual. An individual is always going to look for what's best for them, not what's best for you. I would never expect any employee or any team member to put their best interest of Emuna Insurance before their own because it's not their company. So why would they do that? They're going to put their family first. And I need to be mature enough to understand that and to create a platform that will help them give their family the best. And that platform will have continuity as long as it's continuing to help other people provide for their families. That's what really creates advancement. That's what really creates the expansion. Have the platform where people can come and trust that they will not be betrayed, that they will have the tools, the leads, the platform, the systems that would allow them to just go back to bed every Friday, every Sunday, enjoy their families and know that when they come back on Monday, they, they're ready for them. Things will be here for them. They will not have to be looking anywhere else. So you give them the trust, so they give you their trust. That's essentially how it works in your company. It works out. What you mentioned before, I think it's such a great point. I actually had a conversation with my friend who I worked with for many years earlier. Um, we both did decently well at work 24, he's 25. And we were talking, we're like, when did we get comfortable that we reached a small little bit of success and now we're, we think we're something, you know, we spend money we shouldn't spend, whatever the case is. So you were in a situation where you had a family and you had to provide for people. As somebody like myself, who's in their early 20s, if they have that initial success or they get the bare means, where do you use that? Where's the mentality to expand? Because you don't have a family yet. You don't have a wife to provide for. Aside from buying things that you enjoy and saving for the future, what is something immediate that, I, that you would pin your desire for expansion on? What I would say is to study those that have become great. And you will always fight, first of all, uh, an unde I would say undeniable element for someone who has become great is humility. So whenever you see someone great, you will see humility somewhere in there. And that humility comes from mistakes, comes from having to have someone else come and help you and guide you. So if someone is very successful, very young, and they're already buying their Lambo and they're already enjoying their life, which is nothing wrong with that if you have, that's a desire you, you have it fulfilled. But seeing how you can have a capacity to impact others, how to make the world better for others is very important. In Judaism, there is a special teaching that says, uh, there's a, a very important sage, his name is Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, and it says that an individual needs to understand that the entire world was created for himself and that you should contribute to the world, leave it better than how you found it, and around you, it should be a reflection of your gratitude and, and the environment should reflect that you're making that positive impact on something that was given to you without you even having to do anything for it. But at some point, we're going to pass from this world and other, other generations will come. So um, when, when you meet someone who's very successful, a multimillionaire, 
um, they will they will always tell you to be prepared to invest into real estate or to invest in different ventures or different industries because that is what gives purpose when you have an impact to help other people that are having it worse and you know that by the effort that you've made others are having opportunities that maybe weren't there even to begin with then that will open doors for you uh, there was one one challenge that i had on a legal aspect with one state in particular and i remember one person came and approached me and they asked me and my wife if we would like to start a scholarship fund and i was thinking well how much is a scholarship fund and they gave us the amount and i thought do i really want to spend that money you know it's it's this money that Maybe somebody else can give it to right, them, you. Right, you can use it for the yeah, or, kids. Or, yeah, I, I can I make my, my expenses. Right. I'm multi-millionaire. Yeah. I can go somewhere else. Why, why me? Right. And then I said, you know, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. So I did it. And they give you a nice letter of, uh, you know, thanking you for what you've done. Right. Um, at some point, when, we, when I came into this challenge few, uh, further down in life, and uh, the legislator call for evidence that I was contributing to my community, the proof was there. And that is what allowed me to get to the next level in the, in the, legis, uh, the legislator, uh, le, uh, legislator um, part of the, of the state. I was in the legal aspect that would allow me to move on to the next level. That piece of evidence and a few others, because we were giving now to other institutions, but having three or four places that we were giving to, to advance in kids that had less money for the state, didn't even have to be part of our community, and then for our community, and, f and then for younger adults, and then for adults that wanted to study. Sure. Then we had evidence that we were giving, and our accountant said, why are you giving so much money? Uh, you're giving more than you're supposed to give. The reality is the following year, I followed his advice, I gave less and I made less. So the impact of charity, the impact of helping others, is something that is more spiritual than we have a comprehension. You taking care of other people will allow you to have forces, guidance, assistance, uh, team members that will, home, that will come and help you expand. You just gotta trust the spiritual loss and you gotta trust the fact that if you're humble, and you say, I don't want to be featured. I don't want to be uh, the one that his name is up there. I want others to benefit just because the world was created for me. And it's my job to leave it better for others and to create opportunities for others. The moment your thinking switches to that, you'll start to see how that can come through. If you find and the money will find its way in because you've expanded your. Totally, totally will help. Yeah, it will happen that way. Uh, and remember on every step, those challenges will present themselves. As soon as you say, ready to go to the next ring, right away, you'll... <laughs> you gotta be ready. That's why I said it earlier, uh, fixing, understanding how to get other people to come and help you. You gotta be humble to ask for help and say, I don't know. Uh, if you make a mistake, admit it and say, I'm sorry, I tried my best, but I, I couldn't do it. Going into courses. You know, nowadays there's plenty of uh, verifiable uh, people that have the expertise that can train you and teach you, and that will shorten your learning curve instead of having to go through the pain and headaches that they went through. So having, having that humility to say, I need to pay you know, $1,400, $5,000 for someone to come and help me and guide me would be investments that will pay in a long run because uh, what you know 
will be shown in, in what you have around you. Right. They say knowledge is power. Do you read books, podcasts, or is there anything that you gravitate towards as far as expanding your intellectual mind? Yeah. Um, in fact, if you ever go to my house, I hope you do, and you'll see there's always books coming into my house. And I have a hunger for learning because out of every book, maybe, maybe not everything you can absorb it, but there will be one or two points that will make a, a definite impact on you. Uh, when I wanted to learn how to uh, you know, create systems, I read Russell Brunson. You know, I learned how to do the funnels and how to do the marketing and how to start writing copy for my ads, how to make an ad write. When I was making my own commercials and I had to do the commercial myself because I couldn't hire anybody else to do it, then I learned how to position myself, how to speak, how loud, you know, had to buy equipment, lining, microphones, investments all the time. So in, in, in order for you to know how to do it, you got to learn it from someone else. And then you got to get inspiration for those that are even bigger. Like in my, in my case, uh, Gary B, uh, Grant Cardone, um, you know, there's, there's people that have shown you that they came from a place of addictions and poverty and, uh, and you know, <laughs> criminal backgrounds maybe, but they overcame that. They, that. they didn't allow those experiences to define the rest of their life. They found the vision. They wanted it to prove to the world they were better than what their past was. And now they're creating millionaires around the United States and the world. What do you think is the one common denominator between every successful person that you met? Resilience and determination. When you are determined, nothing will stop you. When you say, I will accomplish it, whatever it takes, however long it takes, however, the tides will turn. And if you look at any ship that is having troubles in the seas, you will see that eventually the seas calm down, the ship continues and makes it to its destination. Resilience is the result of you being determined. So when my, before my mother's passing, and my sister's passing, which happened back to back in the same year, um, I would always call my mom and say, I'm, I'm ready to do this. I'm going to invest this much money. What do you think? And, and she, was all, she would always tell me, is, is what you want to accomplish important for you? Is that something that you truly want to do? Yeah, then go for it. You know, but once you decide that you're going to go for it, I want you to do it all the time and be the best at it. Don't just be like average. Be the best at it. And I think that's the, the common denominator. People that have determined themselves to become the best, they want to dominate their market, they want to dominate their, their area, and they want to become the expert. And, and it takes determination to do it because it won't happen fast, it won't happen easy, but if you stay the course, it will happen. Absolutely. You mentioned Rabbi Nathan Abreslau before, who was a great Kabbalist as well. Did you grow up religious, spiritual, all right, and then how did you come to your study of Rabbi Nachman and Kabbalah that you have today? So I would say that I grew up in a religious home. My mother and my father were God-fearing individuals. My mom would always make me love our creator. She would always say, look at how many beautiful flowers God made for us. Not just one, but different. Look at the fruit. He gave us all this beautiful tasting fruit. Listen to the birds. What a beautiful sky God is making. He makes a beautiful painting every, every night. Uh, look at the stars. They are the same stars that King David used to speak to or Avraham Avinu. Um, so all, all of this creating in myself a respect for a greater power than myself. I always knew that if I would ask God for something, he would be listening to me. 
he became a real person to me when I was very young. And then um, as time progressed, I did ex everything my mom asked me to do, and I wasn't being very happy. I wasn't really finding the answers. Then I did everything I wanted it to do, and it became very dark because it was, I was going after my selfish desires. I wasn't thinking about everyone else's happiness. I was thinking just about myself and what I wanted it. So my relationships were not successful. Um, my friends were not permanent because I was just looking out for myself like a good Aries does. <laughs> I was you know, perfect, the perfect uh, <laughs> astrologer. By the book. You, you played it by the book. The book. And then I remember a, a very important individual, um, and he asked, he asked me one day, and he said, when are you going to continue to go through this pain? When are you going to finally give up and say, teach me different, teach me something else so that I can be happy? When you decide that somebody else needs to come into your life and teach you to do things differently so you can be happy, then things will start happening for you. And it was at that moment when... I really look up to heaven and I told to my creator, I said, God, if, if doing everything my mom said didn't make me happy, doing everything I wanted to do didn't make me happy, if you don't show me anything else, I'm checking up. Wow. Um, I, I remember that night, it was probably the darkest night in my life because somebody told me at the bar that it was time to close. I only had two beers and I said, why are you closing so early? The lady said, sir, it's four in the morning. So I didn't realize that I had already fallen into a, a, very, uh, a very big problem. And at that night, I told that to God. I said, uh, I, you need to show me the way. That morning, I was driving to my job and um, to my office, you know, the real estate office. And then traffic backed up. I looked to the left and I said, opening, um, opening class or opening presentation, something like that. And it was at the Kabbalah Center. So I was depressed. I had nothing better to do. And someone at the Reform Synagogue that I used to go asked me, have you ever been into Kabbalah? I said, no. I said, how, how can you be Jewish and not know anything about Kabbalah? So because of that name and what she had said, I put those things together. And I said, maybe I should go in and listen. At that moment, my life started to change. I realized I listened to the questions that I had and the responses that I got were profound. And I knew I was going to find the answers to all the questions that I had if I continued to study. Then I met uh, a great individual who I consider like my older brother. His name is uh, Shmuel Weinberg from Chicago. He introduced me to deeper studies of spirituality and how that can be applied to personal life and made a great impact because then it was no longer about being a fanatic of a religion. It was no longer about that group of people are right, we are wrong, or we are wrong, they're right. It became more of a universal approach to if you do these things, it will work for you or for anybody. And that's when, um, that's when I started to grow. And now um, I, I just decided to get books from great Kabbalists, uh, study on their writings, and the main topic throughout everything is to have complete trust that everything that happens in your life, whether it's a great challenge, whether it's a punishment, whether it's a big pain or a great celebration, everything is happening for the best for you. You will see it down the road. And I can guarantee this to all of your younger audience. 
anything, any pain that you go through, if you stay calm and you wait a couple years, maybe a decade later, you will look back and say, that experience was the best thing that could have happened to me. And at that moment, you got to look up and tell to your creator, thank you, because you've always been there for me. You've always opened the doors for me. You closed the, right, the wrong ones. You opened the right ones. Maybe I didn't see it at that time, but the overall teaching of all the great Kabbalists, all the great spiritual teachers is always to trust that everything is happening for your favor. Everything is happening because you are here to, to fulfill a mission. And part of your mission is to have this uh, teachings being given to you. And those experiences will help you to then down the road, empower others to overcome their own challenges as well. Absolutely. Moshe, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We look forward to having you back on soon. The insights were invaluable to our listeners, and I think your story is unique in that you experience both sides of the coin and can give us a full-rounded approach as opposed to you know, just having one view of the perspective. So thank you so much for being on, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. How, uh, how long did, do you um, want to do this for? How long do I want to do this for? Yeah. Um, I would say that I like to keep doing this for around 15 more years. And, and why you want to do that that long? No, why? Well, um, I also want to enjoy time for myself, for my wife, for God willing in the future, my grandchildren. And uh, there are so many beautiful places in this planet that I want to go and visit and check out. And um, I think there's also time for younger people to come and continue what I started it. And I also want them to have their own input, maybe my children, maybe their friends, maybe younger, younger adults that can come and, and take it to the next level. I think that I got to give space for others to also create what they want. Is, it, it, is this so important to you about like, like doing this like for a long time? It is important uh, for two different reasons. Number one, the Hispanic community in, in America has always been viewed as a very limited uh, part of the population financially. They're not taken seriously. And what happens is that they work so hard and they don't know where to invest their money and they're not able to advance financially. So if they would have the right education, they would be able to have economical advancement. They would also be able to have riches and enjoy a different lifestyle. And I think that someone needs to teach them how to do it, give them the opportunity to do it safely and not take advantage of them. And I think I'm the man for the job. My last question is, uh, do you want to keep going to do this? Like, like you want to give wisdom to the world or get so much light? Like, do you, do you want to get so much light and continue, continue your life like this? Yes, I think that um, when a person wants to help other people and that person has a, a big desire in their heart to really see younger people prosper or older people be treated with dignity, with respect, I think that the individuals feel that sincerity. They feel that that is really what you want to accomplish. 
And that is giving light and teaching others to do the same thing or finding people that want to be part of that same mission is what can create even a bigger light for our institution, for our community. I'm talking about the Hispanic community and I'm talking about the younger community that now is going to college, that now it's, it's being uh, faced with uh, intel artificial intelligence, uh, faster communications, creative creativity tools. So I think you as a younger um, generation will have a bigger opportunity to show exactly what the potential that you have to give to the world is. Nice. Thank you for, thank you for, for, thank for your time. Nice. My pleasure. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>